everyone. Welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Daron, and we hope you are having a beautiful day. We're having a really weird week, actually. We're in the office for the entire week. How productive is that going to be? So productive. But also maybe not as fun, but we do have some fun stuff planned. We're actually going to the M Pavilion opening, which is this really amazing annual pavilion that they make in Melbourne every year is a different architect and they always have like this really great event schedule on. So we're going to the opening. I think it's on Thursday. It is on Thursday. And then hopefully we'll get to some, they have like lots of cool events. Ooh, sometimes they do yoga. Oh, amazing. We could definitely go to that. But enough about little old us because today we have one of the most exciting guests we have ever had on this podcast. Who's it again, Jess? I don't remember her name. Um, I, I don't know if you would have heard of her. Um, I, I hadn't actually heard of her before um, she asked to be on our podcast. Her name's Meg Ryan. Oh, I think I've heard of her. Yeah. No, yes. Cool. So it is the one and only Meg Ryan. This woman needs no introduction, but we are going to give her one anyway. She is the supercalifragilistic movie star. She is from <laughs> You've Got Meg. When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, and of course is the voice of Anastasia. And really, we grew up with her gracing our screens. You've Got Mail has got to be one of our favorite movies of all time. And when we were in New York recently, and we were getting the pleasure to sit down with some incredible people on our podcast, and Bianca, our social media and PR coordinator, called us up. Hey, B. Hey. Uh, called us up and was like, you guys are not going to believe this. Meg Ryan wants to be on your podcast. I and remember where we were sitting. We were sitting at Russ and Daughters, yeah. the really delicious like bagel place. We were having breakfast for dinner and we were in We were one, having Brenner. Yeah. And we were in one of those little booths and we just got that call and we absolutely lost our shit. So we were actually supposed to be leaving New York for LA um, a couple of days later, but then Meg wasn't in town. So we ended up extending. Oh, you're on first name basis now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. What am Just I going to call him? Miss Ryan. <laughs> so we ended up extending in New York a few extra days just for this interview because we knew it would be so special and boy, were we correct. It was every bit amazing as we thought it would be. So we got to sit down with Meg in her New York apartment and we chatted about a range of really interesting things from the pressures of growing up as a young woman in Hollywood to fame and how it's not all it's cracked up to be. We chat about adopting her beautiful daughter, Daisy, and we even heard about what new venture she is starting. Oh, we also chatted to her about how many people have gone up to her in the street and faked an orgasm. <laughs> Very funny conversation. Also, just a heads up, Meg does mention Nora a few times throughout the episode. She's referring to Nora Ephron, who was the incredible filmmaker they worked on You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, and When Harry Met Sally together. And there's just so much interesting stuff in there. So we won't keep you any longer, but do stick around to the end of the episode to hear what incredible guests we have on next week, Incredible and Delicious. Until then, enjoy Meg. Here she is. <laughs> We did want to start by asking you, what are the things in your life that are the most important to you and that you really care about? Wow. I mean, it changes. The, the fundamentals of it don't change all the time. But like the pages turn, you know, the chapters turn. And um, right now, my daughter just went away to school. 
Ah. And she's 14, and she really wants to go to boarding school. So she picked out a boarding school. She picked out like five boarding schools, and she researched and researched, and she's like an incredibly smart kid and great academic, unbelievable spirit of curiosity, a, a beautiful person, spiritual. She's just fantastic. She's on all cylinders, operating on all cylinders, and she wants to go to boarding school. So I'm like, go, Daisy, go, go. And now she's there. She's having the best time. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I am really at this page is turning in my life where I am not like satisfying short-term things. Mm. I'm looking at longer term things. I'm wondering about what my purpose is. Mm. And like I've had a lot of purpose in being a mom. I've had a lot of purpose in being, you know, defining myself in different ways, maybe in the industry or now it's like a deeper search. So it's really interesting to me that you guys have come on this like day where like last night was the first time I've been in this apartment since she went away to school. So I woke up this morning. I didn't have to take her to school. Mm -hmm. So that's like this thing right now that's that's what I'm curious about it's like what you know I think right now in the world there's so you know you just even like tech addiction and any all these tech things are about like satisfying short-term desire mm. and when you're not in the busy work of things and you're interested in like satisfying long-term desires that's I think a, an inquiry into purpose yeah and I'm there I think right now and I'm an old person but I'm just I'm here to tell you that that never stops yeah, yeah. it ever stops and I think it's also so cool to hear you say that as well on like on another level where like people listening to this podcast are like you know you're Meg freaking Ryan <laughs> and like what you're explaining is kind of like a very common thing that people would experience like when kids go off to school or whatever it is that we're all kind of just faced with these questions at different points in our life of What's next for me? What's yeah, my purpose? What am I, am I doing I? now? Yeah. yeah. All the time. There's always that. Like you have it. I see it in my daughter who's 14. I see it in my son who's 27. I see it in my, my friends, my friends' kids. I see it in everyone. Mm. And, and I like seeing it in everybody. I, I like noticing that commonality. I, I like seeing it in everybody. Yeah, it's kind of like what makes us all human. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we've been speaking about a lot lately is what you said about like that digital tech. Everybody's yeah. just like focus on these like quick wins, instant gratification. And like we've all become addicted to that. And so for us lately, we've been kind of also going on this journey of like, yeah, what what is the greater purpose? It can't be just about like being on Instagram and posting photos and, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's a very cynical setup that tech instant gratification thing because it does light up parts of your brain that feel satisfied. I mean, very cynical. Yeah, they play with us. They do. And um, forever and ever and ever, I've been going to the TED conference and they recently had a reunion of like the people I've been going for 20 years. And it was really interesting to look. First of all, it was like maybe 100 people in New York and maybe like 50 people in Palo Alto, California. And of course, none, we had a simulcast and like none of the technology worked. (laughs) So that was pretty hilarious. But they were showing like 20 years ago, I remember going to this thing and seeing this guy stand up and show us this screen that he touched. And it it was like an early weather thing that he could touch it and expand images. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the whole audience was like, oh, oh, and we just couldn't believe it. So that was 20 years ago. And it looks hilarious now. Like mm, all the, yeah. the, the, like the computers that were on the stage and the outfits we were obviously wearing. And, but to see how far 
this has come and how quickly it has come and then how a lot of the speakers were talking about how this is a geometric progression of technology. It, like, it, it will look so quaint in five years because they're talking about AI. Mm. They're saying it's, it's going to be funny that we used to hold things in our hands. Totally. Oh, my God. You know? so Why? Because we're going to have like microchips in yeah, our eyes? Yeah, it'll be like, like, that. like you'll be going like this yeah. on your body. You'll yeah, be, or even like this in the like air. In the, in the air. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So there's this, I think it's incumbent on us to remember like what makes us human in the face of that because that's a, an enormous evolutionary change. Mm. So I think it's even more important to ask what makes us human, what makes us people, what gives us commonality, what makes us women, what makes us dot, like all of that, that inquiry is important. We're going to have to have that along with this other yeah, enormous to leap. kind of connect us to yeah. each other. Yeah. And also, yeah, like that is what at the end of the day, like we can introduce all of these like fancy technologies into our lives, but as humans, we need connection yeah. and love and that's what really fulfills us. And I yeah. don't think any of this technology, it helps us, you know, live faster, maybe better lives, right. but it doesn't fulfill us. Right. And there's ironically, there's a lot of connection in it, obviously, like with your friends, you know where each other are. I see my son, like he... His, when he's going to Chicago, he knows who else of his buddies are in Chicago. Like it's very cool that way. But I, I wrote a script about this: this looking up and looking down, like how we're less connected than we want to be, and more connected, like than we'll ever know. Mm. And it's just interesting to watch it play out, like in a city like this, or especially in a city like this, when you see you're walking around, bumping into people, they're next to you, but everybody's got their head, you know, totally. <laughs> yeah. everyone's looking down. Yeah taking it kind of back to a time when this didn't exist, yeah. when you were like growing up. Yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a journalist. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, and I went to college to be a journalist, writer. I thought, you know, that would be really great to be a correspondent. <laughs> Not a war correspondent, but like a lifestyle correspondent. <laughs> I thought that would be like a blast. I always liked the job of like going out, gathering facts and then interpreting them by myself through writing and like getting it down. I, I liked that process. And weirdly, acting became kind of like that. That if I had a job, a person to understand, a character to understand, it was really about like understanding their world or whatever, you know, inquiring into them and then having it somehow be coordinated through my lens and expressed through my lens. So it's a very similar process, like creative process, I found between the two of them. Mm, that makes so much sense. Yeah. When I initially think acting and journalism, they're totally different. Right. The way you yeah. just described it, I understand how yeah. they <laughs> And then how did life happen to you that you had this dream of being a journalist and then somehow you ended up on this actress path? Well, I was going to NYU and I, need, I had to pay my way through school and I had an opportunity to uh, do commercials. I did like one commercial and in my box, my mailbox at school, I would get all year long, I would get residual check. It was incredible. Mm. Like you got paid for ha whenever the thing was on television. <laughs> I think it's still like that. I don't know. But yeah, I heard there's a it, lot of money. In yeah. It was just fun. And then I had an assignment in my journalism class. You know, they would tell us to do things like do a story about the weather in New York City. And then I would go to Washington Square Park and interview the homeless people about where they went when it rained. <laughs> like that kind of stuff. <laughs> New York just gave you those opportunities. So I had an audition for a soap opera. And I wrote about auditioning for my class. And because I was writing about it, I didn't care if I got the part or not. I was interested in, am I going to write a good paper about this? Am I going to write a good story? 
I was so loose. It didn't matter at all. Yeah. yeah you know like, what I mean? They were like, God, she's a natural. <laughs> but it's just because I like, didn't no, care. I genuinely don't want yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. If they would have like smelled your desperation, they would have been like, absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. In fact, later I have this, been privy to seeing compiled audition tapes of all, all kinds of people reading for a part. And it is amazing when the people are relaxed. It's so fun to watch them, but when they're like acting, it's not. So yeah. it's like going for a job yeah. interview, you know? Like yeah. I have friends that like get so nervous going for a job interview that they cannot land a job. They're good at the job part. Right. But you can't get past the interview. You're not yeah. going to get the job. Yeah. So mm. getting out of your own way. Yeah. I was just lucky. I was out of my own way because it turned out to be a really fun job being on a soap opera and... So I got the gig. Were you like, this is so weird? Like, oh, yeah. how did I Because I didn't here? know anything about it at, like, at all. I'd done high school. <laughs> and um, I had a first day on As the World Turns, which was I had to walk down some stairs. I had a jar that needed to be opened by this guy, this character who was in the basement, like, working on stuff. And my job was to stand at the top of this fake stairway and then walk downstairs and hit marks and say lines and talk to this guy and get this thing opened. And <laughs> I was thrown by the fact that this was a fake stairway. <laughs> like, I, I did something like 35 takes. And on a soap opera, you don't... I can't believe they. I lasted more than one day on this thing. But they hung in there with me, and I ended up, like, understanding at this job, like, all the technical things. I had to memorize. Ultimately, I was, like, memorizing 20 pages of dialogue, like, a day. Oh, crazy. I don't understand and how actors do that. It's crazy. Yeah. But but all those things you end up having to do. But So I had to do it. Yeah. There was you just, just got no, on with it. I just had to do it. Mm. So uh, I did. And I kept going to school for about six months, and then I was just too tired to do anything. Like, go to school, too. Were people recognizing you when you were on the soap opera? It was more heavy duty then than it ever has been. Because really? at that time in the States, soap operas were it. They had this big population of people who, you were in people's houses every single day, five days a week for an hour, upset about something. Yeah. <laughs> so I would go out in the world. I couldn't believe the reach of it. Like one day I had a day off and I took the train up to my, see my grandfather in Connecticut and it was like scary on the train and I got off and I usually met him at a grocery store right walking distance from the, from the train station. So I'm standing at the Grand Union and I'm like mobbed. Oh my goodness. It was weird. It was so weird because you work so much. You never saw the impact of things. People gave me advice and they were always wanting to hug me and tell me everything's going to be all right. Cause my character was always like, <laughs> I'm very upset about stuff. <laughs> so, um, so that was my first brush with it. It was crazy. And so that thing about being inside people's houses on television is a different brand of fame than going to the movies and seeing somebody. Back then, that was a, a distinction you could draw. You can't really anymore, but you could then. Yeah. It must be kind of like reality TV now where yeah. people are like putting their whole lives out there so people are coming up to you and genuinely know everything about your life. Like that must be really weird. Yeah, or they think they know everything about their life. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right. So once you were on the soap opera... How did that transition into a movie? And was When Harry Met Sally your first big movie? I did. You did I, Top Gun before I, that? Top Gun, yeah. yeah. I finished the soap opera. I went to L.A. I did a pilot for something that never went on the air. But I had found an acting class. And it was this, It was really a great experience, that acting class. And I, the people in the class were incredible. They were just incredible. There are a lot of working actors that you know today. And um, we had an amazing teacher. And that was life for a while, this acting class, and all my friends were going on auditions, and every now and get some little part, and I did a little part in Top Gun. 
And then that's when I started to get more film work after that. At that point, you were quite young. Like, you know, you're in your 20s. That's like, those are like formative years. Yeah. What was that like as a young woman, like basically growing up and finding yourself in Hollywood, like the craziest place to do that? Yeah, it's very crazy. And my heart goes out to people who are in that part of their life now, especially with social media. I'm out. Wow. But what was great about it is that I was in a community of people who were doing the exact same thing. Like I had peers who were doing exactly the same thing. And and it's really important, I think, to share that with people. Like it's harder to be Elvis and the Beatles, you know. (laughs) 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 You just have this confederacy with people and, you know, you share your confusions and your little successes and stuff. And that was great. I still have friends. A lot of my friends are from that time in my life, you know. Mm. And I think Top Gun just was... I didn't feel like a famous person about that or I mean when Harry Met Sally came along and I felt like oh wow I know that doesn't this doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And Nora used to call me up and she would say these are the opening numbers. Just take note this doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> You're like oh this is yeah. easy. Okay, like I just right, rocked up in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. yeah. Yeah. Were you a confident person at that point? No, but I think I always had a journalistic eye on the whole thing. I never felt like it was this really, really deep calling to be an actor. I came to understand it as a job that was really about empathy. And ironically, you know, so much of the experience, if you're not aware, feeds your ego. And it becomes self-directed. But really, the job of being an actor is outward-directed. It's about understanding other people and expressing other people for the audience, for the audience to understand them, to have the experience of them. So really, it's a generous gig if it's done in that spirit, but it gets very co-opted and it's really confusing at first because you don't feel worthy of all of the attention. And I ne- have never really read press about myself. That's it wasn't, It's a really good choice, actually. Mm. And so I, I didn't have the experience of looking at myself from the outside in, but my son is now doing a lot of work and he's on this Amazon show called The Boys and he has he's a, he's a working actor. And... I'm remembering a lot of the stuff that I used to think, like I remember being going to movies and just bringing my own lunch. The whole place is devoted to like getting you an apple, a green one, a red one, a yellow one. Like the whole thing is devoted to satisfying your whims, but I just didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like that people were on the walkie talkie talking about, uh, she, I don't know what she wants. She thinks uh, I hated all that. So I brought my own lunch. Mm. <laughs> That's amazing because, so, like, yeah. you know, the egos, like, everywhere these days are huge, let alone, like, on movie sets. Yeah. They just must be out of control. And Some. like, And you were in a position to be like that, demand whatever you wanted. Yeah. Like, that's really You cool. can really see it in the cleanest way with kid actors. They have to really be so taken care of to not get a little bit tweaked mm. because it's not a good environment to become an autonomous person through. And they have to, they really have to be guided and help. You can see it in the most pure form with kids who are having their whims indulged. Totally. It's not good for anybody. Well, and like back in the day, it was, we're just talking about actors and like performers. But I think like now what's so interesting about it is that with Instagram, it's kind of shifted and like anyone can kind of access like their fame in their own way. And I think that that is now like what a lot of people see as like a great option. You know, you get lots of free stuff, people follow you, you have influence over people and things like that. Like in your experience, are those things what fulfill you? No, not at all. I mean, I, I never, I mean, 
no. When all of this like started and Instagram started, I have an Instagram account now that my, I understand the Instagram economy, but I don't know about the pursuit of fame for fame itself. You see that there are things that come out of fame sometimes, which have to do with influence and have to do with money and have to do that. Those things maybe have value, but the fame thing itself, I don't get the pursuit of that in and of itself as an end. And I think the part that's wrong about it is that people think it's going to fulfill them and they chase it and then it doesn't, you know, like people think if I had that, then I would be happy. But it's like, if you're looking for something outside yourself to be happy. No, I mean, it's it's just never, ever going to work. The means have to be satisfying, not the end. Mm, Totally. Definitely in our experience, even like through Instagram and things, like when we started to gain a following, I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. Like now I want more, I want more, I want more, you know, check the comments, check the likes, like all of those things. Definitely. Like, I feel like we experienced that in our own little way Mm. and like definitely firsthand, like if anything, I was less happy when all that stuff started to happen because I was focused on that rather than like focused on what me and like the people I cared about actually thought. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's tricky and because it's designed to satisfy those things that, that are, like we were saying just before, what those addictive desires, those short-term desires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what then in your life like at that time or now was like really fulfilling to you? Always my friends, and then it became uh, then it became my kids or my you know relationships. It was always about people. It's mm. always ends up being about that, like mm. the wealth of your life. You know, from this age that I am now, I, I I see that is just true. And the commodity that you never want to waste is time. That that's the only thing you're never going to get back. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. So choose your people, choose your pursuits, because you're not getting it back. Yeah. yeah. And so many people live life and they're like, one day, like, I'm going to work really hard, kill myself now, but then like one day enjoy it. Mm-mm. And it's just like, no. Yeah. It's too that. short. No. Yeah. Talking about the people listening to this and maybe their experiences, like, you know, it's very common now for people to receive haters or like trolling and things like that. And I guess like as a movie star and someone in the press, like you kind of experience that to like the nth degree. Yeah. What was that like for you in the beginning? Was it confronting? Oh, painful. A lot of that stuff is just, how could it not be painful? Mm. It's just painful. And you can't explain yourself to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's like so undignified, yeah. I think. But I will say, one of the best things that happened was that time in my life. Because if you really want to be self-determined and really have that sense of, wow, I'm not compromised at my core, have your reputation destroyed. Mm-hmm. Because you will find, after you go through all these emotional things about it, that you don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. It's like it matters that your son thinks well of you or your lover thinks well of you or your, you know, family. But it just doesn't matter. And you're so free. I found, like, such an incredible freedom at that time in my life. Like, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. Nobody has to understand. I know the truth of my life. I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to talk about that person or that person. or No, I'm not going to do it. And there's so much freedom in it when Mm. you don't really legitimately care. And I thought I was someone who didn't really care that much about what people thought about me, but I did. And now I don't so much. Mm. That's such a cool revelation to have because yeah. everyone does, right? Yeah. Like, and people are so stuck in that on a day-to-day level. Like, yeah. what will people think if I do this or wear yeah. this or go here? And it's like to really be able to access that feeling of like 
that doesn't matter to me yeah. is so powerful. It is. It's powerful. It's powerful. It puts you in a really nice, you're in your core. I keep going like this and touching the middle of myself. But yeah, you're in yourself. And it's yeah. great. You can be anywhere then. And it all, everything looks a little funnier and everything is a little more entertaining. And everything's a little bit like, it's just nice. You're in it, but you're not of it somehow. It's yeah. good. And I think at that point, that's when you can really start living for yourself and making decisions about who you want to be and what you want to do yeah. that's completely reliant on you and not about yeah. anyone else, yeah. which is like where that magic happens. It's ma- it's, it is just, it, it's so comfortable. Mm. It's serene. It sounds comfy. Yeah, it's serene. I want to be in there's there. A, there's a sereneness there. You're, yeah. you're in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, got, I've got two feet in and maybe like two arms out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm getting uh, Yeah, and you're not always in, by the way. You're like, you're coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So you have a teenage daughter now. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of teach her about confidence and beauty, especially like, you know, the way you've grown up and being so scrutinized for looks and everything like that? Yeah, Daisy, it is not high on this girl's list. In fact, like every probably 11 or 12-year-old, it's every day I have to say to her, did you brush your teeth and brush your hair? Like, you know, neatness counts. Like, like that's as far as I'll... She's really amazing because she doesn't have a real concern, again, about what people think of her. And it's her superpower. That is a superpower. Yeah. And she's in a whole new environment. She's in a whole new school. I, I, she seems so happy. And, and I, I called the teacher, like, you know, the dorm person. And I'm like, is she really as happy as she sounds? <laughs> and they go, yeah, she's having a great time. And sounds so independent. Yeah. Like if she was the one that was like, I'm going to shit myself off to boarding yeah, school. Yeah, here I go. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. So it's amazing. Awesome. Also, she did not have a phone until she was 14. And she, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. How did you do that? That's willpower. She could be like she could insta chat like on I guess on your computer, and I I could see she was suffering when she wasn't a part like because so much social stuff happens there. She was suffering on very much on the outside when she wasn't part of that. But because she did, she's a real reader, and I think she's an independent thinker because she just hasn't cared at all about this. Maybe her generation is different than my son's. They won't just care as much somehow. Yeah. they We like often speak about that, that it's kind of like our generation is like the really screwed up one. And then the next generation is kind of like, we've experienced our parents sharing our lives and we don't want to share them. Well, you guys are the guinea pigs. Yeah. And like they like video games and handheld devices and you guys are the guinea pigs. Mm. I think it's really interesting. You guys will be studied. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so will they because like, you know, we went to this climate rally on Friday in Battery Park. And like, oh, it was amazing. Wow. All these teenagers are there and care so much about this. When we were teenagers, we didn't give a shit. Like we just cared about ourselves. They were incredible. (laughs) And they were like up there on stage, like 15 year olds talking in front of 250,000 people saying things like, hear us roar, we are the next senators and like saying all this stuff and it was so incredible to watch. It was really empowering and like actually gave you hope for the future as opposed to like the doom and gloom that's out there right now. They're going to do something. When I say to Daisy, what do you know? Her room's right there. Daisy, what are you doing in there? She goes, I'm just checking out Mayor Pete's platform. He's so interesting. Oh, my, <laughs> like, oh God. my God. That's amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs>
That's amazing. <laughs> so Daisy is actually something that we wanted to talk to you about because where we're at at the moment is a lot of our friends are like, you know, doing the thing where they're like meeting a guy and having babies and it's all before like the clock ticks and all of those mm. like pressures that we put on yeah. ourselves. And I guess we really like love to believe through our life that there's like so many more paths that you can take to achieve what you want. Um, and so you actually adopted your daughter. So we would love to like hear about that process for you. And I think, are you wearing daisies all over your Oh, yes, she is. How good is that? <laughs> there are no coincidences. <laughs> well, I always thought that I would adopt a baby girl. And I had gotten close a couple of other times. And then this time, it just was a calling. I always knew that I would do it someday. And the way they used to, this is like 14 years ago in China, so the way they used to do it. I think it's very different now, but you kind of went little step by little step. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to go little step by little step until I just see if I, every little step, is it yes? Is it yes? Or when I reach a no, I never, I never hit a no. And I, they, the, the time they, they sent me a picture of her and she is undeniable. I'll show you the picture. I mean, it's, it's an undeniable little face. It's an undeniable little spirit. And I just felt this connection. And, you know, my son, I gave birth to him. And here's my daughter who, she has her own sort of birth story with me. And I've always felt it's like a, a very profound connection that I have with her. I, I feel like she kind of called me from the ethers and said, I'm here now. <laughs> and then I was in China to get her. I, I, I mean, it just feels like that. Yeah. So you two yeah. were kind of like meant for each yeah. other. Yeah. Did that experience, like, it's kind of cool that you got to have these two experiences yeah. of, of a biological child mm -hmm. and an adopted child. Mm -hmm. Did it ever feel different in any way? I know that every child is different, no matter how they come to you. So it didn't matter so much that it was adoptive or not. But there, but there are mysteries about both of my kids that I'm very interested in. You know, like, Daisy has a, she's written her own blog about, being adopted and she's at this new school you know she's been there 10 days you guys and she's started the adoption affinity group <laughs> oh my god <laughs> she sounds magnificent she's like she's gonna so be the next president like she's an interesting person and yeah. so she's curious about her biological parents and she had then also has this real appreciation of she has a really big extended family and she has a very big appreciation of this love that's the same for her. Mm. Even though she says, I'm always going to be curious. I'm always going to be curious about that story that my, who are these people who gave, you know, who are my birth parents? And I don't know if she'll ever find out, probably given technology and DNA, she might, but anyways, that, that's this mysterious thing about her. Like, I don't understand about my son. He had, he grew up with famous parents. I didn't. He has an interesting experience that's different than mine. Mm. So two different people. And I think your parents probably, no matter how similar you guys seem, they're probably like, oh my God, they're so different. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I think you're so right what you said there before about like every child is different. Like we see that all the time. Like even two siblings can like be on such different paths and look completely different and all of those things. So it's like, yeah, what's the difference? And then you kind of took a break in your career to kind of focus on being a mom. Was that like scary for you to kind of take a step back and be like, I'm just going to do this for a while? I, I just had to. I just had to. I just had to. I think I got famous before I was really a person. And I always felt like there was some underpinning or something that wasn't really right. 
And, you know, I'm from New York, around New York. I've traveled a lot. And I know that it's a very particular experience being a famous person. And it's very isolating. And it's just isolating. You're behind a rope or behind... Yeah, I still go into restaurants and they go, do you want to be in the table over there in the room by yourself? (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't. So coming back here, I just had to. I got one life, so I better live it fully. And I'm a curious person. I don't want to be looked at. I want to look at the world. Mm. So that's really, I just had to. It's funny that you say you're a curious person because it's exactly what you said about Daisy. So I think maybe that's where she gets it from too. Yeah, we have that in common. Mm. So why did you feel like you wanted to do these things separately? Like why were you like, all right, this is going to be what like I dedicate my time to now? Um, well, you know, a lot of other things. I mean, you know, I'm her mom in New York, but I'm also, you know, like I'm, I've have a lot of friends here and I'm doing this e-commerce kind of project I'm writing where I never was writing before and I'm, I'm about to hopefully direct again. And so I just pivoted. Pivoting means you're, you're not changing completely. You're taking what you know, but then using it differently. Mm. And it just was time. That's all. That's all. I mean, it just feels totally natural thing to do. What's your e-commerce project? Can you talk about that? It has to do, hopefully we launch like next September. It's basically a shoppable fairy tale. Whoa, that yeah. sounds fun. Amazing. Sounds so cool. For yeah. kids or for adults? For adults. Oh, cool. Actually, it could be for kids too. Like I think the internet is boring to shop on. And my friends are in different parts of the fashion business and different parts of branding and marketing. And it's sort of a kitchen table idea between three women, which is very cool just to have friends who do such different things and have different experience and different people that they call on, but also to know about starting any business that somebody told me like the percentage of female startups, I don't know if it's just in this country or in the world. Guess what the percentage is? It's three. Three. Here? Three percent. That's That's crazy. So we actually, that's something we are super passionate about is like seeing more women get in business because we go on these, like we've been on a startup program where there were 10 startups and only us was women. Yeah, not good enough. Not good enough. So we actually started this thing called the two grant where we give a female entrepreneur a financial grant of like $5,000 plus like, you know, other businesses contribute services like up to like $15,000 and we mentor them for a year. Great. Yeah. Yeah, Because we're like, this is ridiculous. Like what... Where it's are all the women? Why aren't I didn't know it was such a creative enterprise. I didn't know that. But my friend who's got like, who's part of this is she's got such a brilliant business, creative business brain. Because for her to create the structure, the financial structure of this thing was a creative act. Oh yeah. It's massively I creative didn't know that. to be an entrepreneur. I, I just didn't know that. Yeah, because I guess it's like all about thinking outside the box. And in yeah. order to do that, you need to have this want to like change things and for things to be different. Yeah, and you can see you can have a, you know, like really you have to understand the existing paradigm in order to break out of it but then it's incumbent on you to break out of it and that's what's so fun about these women that I know who are so different than me but we have this I remember saying it's just not interesting to shop on the internet for days oh my god wouldn't it be better if it was fun Mm. you're right the internet is really boring to shop on like you go into a store you have this amazing store experience and then you're just like on a website there are products it's like like a warehouse yeah it's a warehouse instead of a boutique it's Mm -hmm. super boring so that's our idea that's cool that's really cool love that 
I recently heard someone talk about how the point at which like your brain is releasing like the most good stuff, I don't know if they're endorphins or what they are when you're buying something, is in the <laughs> moments just before you purchase, which I totally get because that makes sense to me that I love shopping in person because then that experience is elevated. But I feel like there's a lacking online that, so that you true. could bring in there that's like it actually makes it more fun so that that experience is heightened. Right, Online. it's that moment where that salesperson goes, it's cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're lacking that. And you're like, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, I'll take it. Yeah, It's exactly. just that little, it's that, yeah, like, it's that moment 30, where you imagine, seconds. like, all your holidays where you'll be wearing the outfit <laughs> and, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so being this incredibly talented movie star, have there ever been times where you see somebody and you're like, holy shit, I am so freaking starstruck right now? Yeah. I presented at the Oscars one time. And I'm like really not brave like that. <laughs> but I went out and was like, wow, this is a crazy feeling to look out at that audience and to just feel, you kind of feel like, you can't really, but you sort of can like the billion people who are supposedly watching. Like you, and to see all those faces and to know them, actually, they're people. That, to me, when I remember walking out on the stage, I remember going, God, this is so, it's something so sweet about this. More than anything, it was like this just very big, profound feeling of the sweetness of that somehow. I had experiences, too. I remember once we had to go around the world and do a press tour. <laughs> and at the time, they, like, put us, the group of everybody who were doing the press tour, on the same plane. It was one, it was a private plane. And we went from here to Europe, all around Europe, and then we were in Eastern Europe, and then we went, like, we, we had to refuel in Siberia before we went to Japan and Taiwan. I, I couldn't believe it. It mm. was so funny and fun to go all the way around the world on a plane like that with these fun people, and it just was a blast. When would that ever happen to anybody? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a blast. It was a blast. And the people, you know, I've been really lucky. I, I have had great co-stars. I've had amazing, you know, I could think of one director I didn't like. Well, and we noticed that about you as well, that you're like, you seem to be friends with a lot of people that you've acted with. Like you have acted kind of like throughout your career in different things with the similar sort of group of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that something you like I've, just because you make friends and then you love to collaborate? I love collaborating. And I, and I think it really has been good luck meeting Nora or being around, you know, doing multiple movies with somebody or whatever. It just feels like luck. It, it feels like luck. Yeah. Well, we loved seeing that um, in the movie that you directed a few years ago. Or Ithaca. Ithaca, yeah. yeah, that's it. That Tom Hanks came and did like a half-day shoot, not even just, I yeah. Mean, like, he came, I mean, it was incredible. And he came down and like we didn't have any money on that. He flies himself down there and he sits in this little, you know, Winnipeg. Half of, they call them double bangers. I mean, they, Oh, yeah, I've like, heard about double bangers. They're like a tiny little trailer or something, tiny. right? Yeah. yeah, he's perfectly nice and happy to everybody. Very... I mean, he, he did not have to come for a first-time director for, like, somebody trying to figure out how to... I mean, it was so sweet. It was just sweet. Mm. Do you have to, like, network when you're trying to, like, build up your movie career in Hollywood and you're, like, becoming friends with different actors? Or does it kind of just, like, happen? See, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't. But I think some people believe that you have to do that. Mm. And I think some things come out of that for people. But I never remember thinking that way. Like, I didn't feel like I had to go to a party. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, I think people think that now, and maybe it, it's really different. It's 20 years later, you know, so 
I think it's different. Because mm, I feel like even in the fashion industry when we're like, oh, we should really go to this party and like meet someone really great to network. <laughs> so it would be nice <laughs> not to have to feel that. <laughs> but definitely like the most genuine connections always come out of like that attitude that you've got. I'll meet who I meet and like, yeah. you know, you create much more genuine connections. Yeah, and I also think that like th- there is such a thing as karma. I think you're meant to meet the people that you meet. You really are. I, I think so. They they reoccur if you don't have... Oh, my the- God. Yes. I was talking about this the other day that there was this guy, you know, like I kind of like had a thing for him and he had a thing for me, but like we just didn't really know each other that well. And like in two weeks, we bumped into each other like six times. It was just like the universe was like, here he is, here he is, like at the most random places. Yeah, and I was just like... Pay attention to that. So yeah. what's happening now? Oh, no, this is oh. years ago. <laughs> now, well, now he's my very good <laughs> friend. They, they exploded. It didn't we, work out. Okay. It was okay. Well, but he was meant to be in my life as my good friend. Yeah. You know, like he's yeah. a really good friend, so... Well, and also like think about how many people you miss... If you got there two minutes earlier or two minutes later, like you would have missed him, but it's that like one moment of well, see, interaction. That's the drag of looking down at your phone. Yeah, that's what very do true. you miss? Mm. So, looking back on your career, was there like a specific project or something that really stands out to you as like, that was so fun? That was like the best time in my life. Wow, there are so many. Really, there were so many that were just wow. Are you kidding? I love doing when a man loves a woman. Which is weird because it's a drama, but it was fun actually to do that. Every movie I did with Nora, I feel really blessed about that relationship. Mm. Tom, of course, is so fun. All, when I look at any of it, I just feel lucky. Mm. I don't go, oh, I, I mean, the thing I wanted to do, it really wasn't to get away from that. It was more just to be more whole as a woman and as a person. It wasn't rejecting anything. It was really... There's so much else. <laughs> yeah, it was more like you experienced yeah, yeah. that one thing yeah. and you and, and killed I did it. it. I like did it. I like went to the moon and it was really fun. Mm. And then now there's other ways of going to like different You want to go to Mars and, I wanna do, and Pluto yeah, yeah. and Saturn. Yeah, <laughs> and another galaxy. Yeah. I love that because I think so many people when they're really good at something, then they like feel the need to keep being really good at that and keep it in their lives and don't just accept that like that happened and now I'm going to yeah, and you can else. do something else. I mean, I love that idea of pivoting, that you take what you know, because it's experience is valuable. But take what you know and then, like, find some aspect of it you don't. Like, I directed one movie. I want to direct more because I don't want to just be okay at it. I want to be good at it. It's a hard thing to do. It's a mm. hard, fun thing to do. And I, I really want to take what I learned and the things I, that weren't good and make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted you to say that You've Got Mail was your favorite movie. That was my <laughs> that was favorite. Really fun. Like, that I, was my favorite. I reckon too. I've watched it at least 30 times. Like, best movie. Really? Ever. You've Got Mail? Yeah. My fiance's daughters had that at the time, it was a VHS oh, yeah. tape stuck in their tape machine. So they went to sleep to it every night. <laughs> I mean, we weren't that far off. Like, uh-huh. we are big movie people and we just like have movies still that. We'll just say like random lines in our daily lives uh-huh. and then our boyfriends will be like, what is that? And yeah, like, like they think it's some... part of our vocab, like just a funny <laughs> thing. Like sometimes like our boyfriends will say to us, oh, you remind us of cartoon characters and it's because we say lines from movies without even noticing. Like, oh. you know, it's just like in your brain somewhere yeah. so it becomes part of your vocab. I think there's such a good spirit in making that movie, just so you know, like we all had so much fun making it. It was fun. It was like going to, uh, Nora always 
made a set like a like going to the perfect dinner party mm. with like the most hilarious person on this side and a fabulous person on this side and great food. Like the set was like that. So I think that movies have a type of DNA mm. that you can feel. You can I think feel you can one hundred percent feel that when you like that's such a feel good. Like if it's cold outside or if you're feeling a bit sick like that's the movie you mm-hmm. want to sit down and watch like everyone you, says I watched it when I'm sick because yeah. <laughs> I reckon I've watched it when I'm sick a few <laughs> times <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's why it makes you feel good yeah so you kind of touched on your fiance's daughters there so we know that your fiance is Teddy Mellencamp's Yes, dad. 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 <laughs> I was going to say daughter. I was right. like, no, that's wrong. So, well, like, we watch the real house. We're massive fans All of, of housewives. Uh-huh. Um, so we like wanted to ask you, like, do you ever watch the show? We do. Yeah, you we do. do. Mm. We do. Real Housewives, Bev Hills. Uh huh. So and good. Um, she is a fantastic girl, mm. woman. She's a fantastic mom. She's hilarious. She's one of the smartest people I know. She loves her dad. Her dad loves her. Like my every interaction I've ever had with her is just charming. And lovely. Well, it's funny. I think yeah. you can tell that when you watch the show. Like, yeah. she's so freaking normal yeah. on totally that show. Totally. <laughs> like, great girl. You're like, oh, you're a really great person <laughs> in real life. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think she's having fun, too. That More than anything, I think her dad is really happy about that. Yeah. Too. Totally. So good. What yeah. a crazy experience uh-huh. must that be. Yeah, totally. So. so we always wrap up our interviews with some quick fires. So we would love to ask you a few extra little questions. The first one is... Oh, this is funny. How many times has someone seen you in the street and pretended to orgasm? Countless. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And can you go to Katz's Deli here or you just can't? No, I won't go. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like a sign with an arrow. I heard. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my I, God. I heard that. But yeah. I, I've never Avoid. been back. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that the answer is countless because initially when we wrote that question, we were going to say, has someone done that and then we were like nah there's definitely lots of people yeah yeah totally. mm-hmm. we mentioned our love of you've got mail and we were talking about it and we realized it was like the kind of like original concept of online dating like way ahead of its time yeah so if they made a remake like that was based on like bumble or something mm-hmm. would you do a cameo what's bumble Bubbles oh. like Tinder, you know, where you like it's swipe like left. Oh, right. oh, okay. It's like so, online dating, like, but in and out. Would I do a cameo in a movie about Bumble? Yeah, but it's like You've Got Mail, the sequel. It's like You've Got Mail, yeah, too. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. okay. Solid maybe. We'll mm-hmm. let them know if anyone's working okay. on it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pitch the idea to someone. Okay, good. Another thing that You've Got Mail kind of like was the first thing in is that it was all about closing small bookstores which very much happened after that movie but we like to think that the shop around the corner would still be open in 2019 so in the spirit of that do you have a favorite book you could share with us Ooh, uh right now i'm reading lab girl which is fantastic it was on obama's reading list i'm about halfway through i don't know if it's my favorite book yet but it's fantastic i love thomas wolf look homeward angel and I love those guys who wrote that, like Hemingway and Fitzgerald. I love that era of literature. So I would say it's like Lab Girl and Look Homeward Angel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a weird combo. But we'll have to check them both yeah. out then. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank well, you thanks so much. you guys. Thank you. It's really fun. This was so really fun. fun to do. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thanks this for staying. Yeah. Of yeah. course. It was well worth it. Okay, good. Oh, <laughs> I love talking to you guys. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Oh my god. 
Did that actually just happen? I think it just happened. I don't know if that was real. What the actual hell? Was that Meg Ryan's voice with our voices? Oh my God, it's still freaking me out. I think Meg Ryan might be my favorite person that I've ever met ever. Sorry, yes. You were really like losing your shit before and like that when we got the interview I feel like you were so excited I was freaking like, out it and was I like you're Beyonce oh my god yeah like I really wanted to watch you've got mail again before we went but I knew that it would just make me too nervous so we did watch it again a couple days later and the whole time we were just like ah we know her what's happening and on the way there we actually did a meditation that I found in the calm app that I really liked it's a sound bath and that really helped calm us down. But no, once yes. we got there, Meg was just so warm, as you can hear. She's so lovely. She offered to make us a coffee. Yeah, just like such a normal person and like took such an interest in us as well, which was so lovely. Like she was really keen to hear all about the work that we're doing. And yeah, I just can't stress enough how like normal, warm, chilled. Awesome. Yeah, she was just incredible. Yeah, and I really can't wait to see the venture she comes out with. Yeah, so fun. So if you like this episode, please give us five stars on the podcast app. Please click subscribe and also just share it with your friends. Share it on Insta. Help us get the word out. You know you have some crazy Meg Ryan friends. Please send it on over to them and DM us what is your favorite Meg Ryan movie at How to Live on Insta. Ooh, fun game. Mine's still You've Got Mail. Yeah, mine's You've Got Mail forever. So next week on the podcast, we have the incredible founders of Levain Bakery. Oh my God. This is going to be such a treat, pun intended. We have the amazing Pam Weeks and Connie McDonald on this podcast. So you would know Levain Bakery from these massive chocolate chip cookies. They're all over Instagram. They're I think, six ounces to be exact. I think we discovered them about three years ago and now we do not go to New York without getting at least one trip to Levain. And it is quite a trip because there is always a line around the block. These cookies have a cult following and these two women actually created the brand when they were training for a marathon. Here's a little snippet. We had a friend who was in business school at Columbia about the same time we were starting the bakery and we'd compare notes and they were doing everything that we were doing kind of in theory, but we were actually doing it. And it took our friend like another 15 years before she had the guts to start her business. Like it's almost like she knew too much. It was a blessing not to know. Get the chalk chip cookies ready for this one, guys. It's gonna be delicious. See ya. Na 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 na